0: good morning. It is Ascension Sunday and we are celebrating Jesus' return to heaven. Uh, Our text comes from the book of Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was He was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While He was going, they were gazing up toward heaven. Suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, fill us with your spirit that we might joyfully tell your story, that others might hear and believe the good news of your incredible love. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, my strength and my redeemer, Amen. I can't begin to imagine how fired up the disciples must have been. After all they've seen, after all they've been through, just a few days earlier, they had seen Jesus crucified. They saw their friend executed. uh, And yet the third day, he rose from the dead. Uh, during those days after the resurrection, Jesus met with them numerous times. They, they talked with him. They, they touched him. They actually dined with him. They had breakfast by the Sea of Galilee. Uh, it was They had witnessed the impossible. Surely they must have been incredibly excited by the good news of their Savior and their friend who had died and rose again. And now Jesus has a message for them. He has a mission for them. Go into all the world. Tell everybody the story. Tell everyone what you have seen and what you've heard. Sounds easy enough. It actually sounds like a simple mission. Go talk about what excites you. We know how to do that, don't we? Uh, I mean, when your team wins, you can't wait to tell everyone. Uh, Whenever Bama wins a championship around here, people will go at midnight and line up at sporting goods stores To get their paraphernalia so they can tell everybody the good news, don't they? Uh, When a young couple gets pregnant, they can't wait to share the news. Sharing good news seems to be second nature to us. When something happens that thrills us, we want to tell everyone. And they had been thrilled by Jesus' resurrection and he was telling them to go. Simple enough, right? Except it wasn't. Jesus said, You're going to be witnesses all over the world. But right now, stay in Jerusalem. Wait. Don't go anywhere. They weren't ready. They weren't yet ready to fulfill the mission that Jesus had given them. That's really kind of hard for me to imagine. They had lived with Jesus for three years. They'd been to the ultimate seminary. They had heard his teachings. They had watched his miracles. They were there when the blind regained their sight. They were there when Lazarus Came out of his tomb of course over there for the death the resurrection uh, you would think they had all they needed but Jesus said you're not quite ready. you're not quite ready yet there's one more thing needed to be effective witnesses to effectively tell our story he said you need the promise of the Father which is the gift of the Holy Spirit uh, you're not ready to go until you've been empowered with the Holy Spirit but what does that mean what does that mean for you and me what is it about the holy spirit that enables us to be effective witnesses well a whole lot of people give a whole lot of importance to speaking in tongues that was the evident gift of the spirit on the day of pentecost over in acts chapter 2 and so uh and and it seems kind of fantastic it's an it's an amazing ecstatic kind of gift and so a lot of people give a lot of credence to that some denominations believe that you have to speak in tongues to prove that you have received the gift of the spirit. We've put so much emphasis on that one single gift as though it were it were the requirement for us to be witnesses. However, when I look at the New Testament, the only time speaking in tongues seems to be useful in witnessing in the biblical stories is on the day of Pentecost. On that day, the disciples came out and spoke to people of many different languages, and they all understood the message. But it's the only time through the rest of the New Testament where speaking in tongues is vital for witnessing to people. So maybe our fascination with speaking in tongues is maybe it's a little misguided. Maybe we've somewhat missed the point of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to be witnesses. Uh, another thing that is apparent on the day of Pentecost when when the disciples receive the Holy Spirit is they develop a courage that wasn't there before. Uh, before the day of Pentecost, the disciples are hiding for their lives. They are locked away, fearful that they're going to meet with the same fate that Jesus did. Even after seeing his resurrection, they seem to be fearful of the authorities, fearful of punishment and death that might come their way. So they, they're walled off. They're, they're holed up fearful of what could happen. On the day of Pentecost, though, the disciples come out and preach a very convicting message to the very crowd that had crucified Jesus. Uh, That courage came from somewhere, and we believe it came from the Holy Spirit. Now, holy boldness is obviously a valuable tool in witnessing. That confidence that comes from God surely is important in helping us share our story with others. But holy boldness alone doesn't seem to do the job either. I have seen some very bold preaching that I'm afraid did more harm than good. If I were completely honest with you today, I've probably done some very bold preaching that probably did more harm than good. So boldness alone is not what was missing from the disciples to make them effective witnesses. So what is it about the Holy Spirit, that gift, that enables us to witness the answer actually comes a little bit later in the New Testament over in the book of Galatians Paul tells us more about this gift of the Spirit where he says in Galatians 5 the fruit of the Spirit is love joy peace patience kindness generosity faithfulness gentleness and self-control that describes the work of the Spirit in our lives and Jesus is saying that you're not ready to share the message until you have that fruit growing inside of you. We don't have time to deal with all of that, but we will dig a little deeper into the first three. If we want to be effective witnesses for Jesus, then we have to be able to love people, especially be able to love those who don't yet believe our story. Uh, Our witness is anchored and rooted in love for others. A few weeks ago in a sermon, I I told you about a street preacher that I encountered when I was in college. He was at the Ferguson Center shouting at students as we walked by, telling us all about our sins and telling us why we were going to go to hell unless we stopped and prayed whatever he told us to pray. Um, He was bold, and I was impressed with his boldness. But as I walked on towards my dorm that afternoon, I didn't get the sense that he really cared for me. He was trying to preach a message, but I didn't get the love. And I think partially because of that, I can't tell you today a thing he said uh, specifically, other than he seemed to be really angry at us. Now, to really witness to people, we have to really love people, not as a project not as another notch on our belt, but to really deeply, genuinely love people. It's what I call earning the right to be heard. Before we can share our story, people need to know that we care. When I was in youth ministry years ago, I spent more hours than I can count playing basketball. Now, this body was not designed for basketball. Even when it was younger, it was not designed for basketball. It was never my sport. I never played organized basketball, but the guys in my youth group loved it. And so every week I was out at the church on the basketball goal, shooting baskets and playing and getting humiliated and building relationships. And those relationships began to change lives. Uh, I, Before my kids in my group cared about what I knew, they know they knew that i had to care about them we have to love Uh, a female youth director back in those days i remember uh, working with junior hires took a group of junior high girls to the ferguson center on prom night Uh, they sat in the car and watched the older girls come and go in their dresses and and they commented on the dresses and had a wonderful time to me it sounds something like torture but the girls loved it and that young woman who was a staff member who was a youth director that that young woman built relationships that began to transform lives if we really want to be witnesses throughout Tuscaloosa and beyond we have to love people we have to meet them where they are we have to go and get to know them and hang out with them and develop relationships with them it's incarnational ministry it's what Jesus did when he became one of us And it's what he calls us to do when we go out into the world. So if we would be effective witnesses, we must love. But also to be effective witnesses, we need to be people of joy. We need a joy about us that defies our circumstances. I tend to differentiate between happiness and joy. To me, happiness comes from our circumstances. When when you win a lot of money, you're happy. When, uh, when you make a good grade on the test, you're happy. When uh, when things go badly, when you have a flat tire on your car, you're sad. Uh, that's the way happiness and sadness work for me. Joy is completely different in my mind. Joy is a gift from God that allows us to experience that, that serenity, even in difficult times. So that even when things are bad, we can be... Uh, we can have a certain serenity about us joy conquers those difficult times i've seen it so often in my ministry Uh, because of my role i have the honor of being with people at some of the most difficult and challenging times of their lives Uh, when when loved ones die or when they get a diagnosis that is that is very unfavorable or when they're when they have to go to a nursing home I get to sit with those people during those times that quite frankly scare me in some ways. So often when I sit with them, they, they exhibit a joy that amazes me. They have a connection to Christ that is stronger than their circumstances and it shows up in their joyful attitudes even in the midst of sadness and sorrow. When I experience that, when I see it, I, I think to myself, I want what they have. I want to be connected like they are. You see, joy invites people into a relationship. When you find somebody that has that kind of joy, you just want to be around them. You want to experience what they have. So joy invites people to Christ. I'm afraid that too often, we, especially we preachers, uh, like to take a shortcut. Uh, rather than invite people into a joyful way of living, it's really easier to threaten people with hell. If you don't do what I say, you're going to hell. If you don't pray this prayer, you're going to burn forever. It's easier to make threats. You don't need joy to make threats. But I think the threats are far less effective. And threatening people with the afterlife is way less effective than inviting people into a joyful experience of the kingdom of God now, today. Joy invites people to know Jesus today. So effective witnesses love other people deeply and they exhibit this joy that invites people into Christ's presence. Third, effective witnesses are people of peace. That gift of the spirit of peace Seems so absent in too much of our public conversation these days. We too easily make enemies out of other people. If you vote differently than, if you vote differently than I do, then we might be enemies. Or if you have different beliefs, it's easy to be enemies. Uh, even in our current situation, I've noticed people lining up and hurling insults at one another over their different understandings of the coronavirus that if somebody holds a different view than I do, then all of a sudden, rather than just being disapp- rather than just disagreeing, we become enemies. We become enemies with people if they have different views on abortion or gun control or capital punishment or a whole list of other things. When we become enemies, we build walls between ourselves and others. For I only want to relate with those people who hold my views, who agree with me. We, we build walls, but people of peace tear those walls down and replace them with bridges. People of peace are able to see those with whom they disagree as children of God, as people that are created in God's image. Let's think about that for just a second. Our, our enemies, those that we might choose to demonize, are people created in the image of God. I'll be honest with you. I struggle with that myself. I've struggled with it today, but that's our story, isn't it? And so we need that peace that comes from God, so that we can build bridges, so that we can, uh, so that we can believe for the best in others. We can hope for the best in others. We can work for the best in others. And most of all, being a person of peace gives us the opportunity to extend grace to those with whom we disagree and grace saves faith or excuse me love joy peace we can't fake those we can't conjure them up by the power of our own wills we can't strain real hard and make them suddenly appear love joy and peace are part of the gift of the spirit they are gifts from god And we'll have to have God's help to have them. We can't relate to other people those ways without God's help. So during this time, as we prepare for the day when we go back out into the world, as we prepare like the disciples on that that first Pentecost, as we prepare like them to go into the world, let's use this time to pray for the Spirit, to invite the Holy Spirit to come into our lives And to cause that fruit to grow in us that will make us effective witnesses for the good news. With the Spirit's help, we will be witnesses for Christ in this city, in this county, in our state, in our country, and to the very ends of the earth. Amen.